Uh, now, just because we've got the mics hot, I can definitely do this. <laughs> and uh, get that crisp audio. And then this. Oh, God, that's kind of gross. Oh, kind of gross, is it, Gracie? More like it's kind of <gasps> grace, is it, Grossy? Hey. Oh. Dude, that you, you sounded me. like me Garang leaving my body. <laughs> <laughs> believe you've done this. <laughs> the worst thing you've ever said. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> this is a tale of a strange and dangerous world. A world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Hello, and welcome to How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. It's a recap of a uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast from the Curio Network. I'm, as always, your tripping back through time Dungeon Master, Ben McAllister. I'm your Justin Timberlake starring time travel film, Jackson Oh, I think it was called Justin Time. <laughs> it should have been. That would have been way better. Yeah, why not? Way you know, better. in time, it was a thing. Yeah. Everyone was at like, twenty-five years old, and yeah. you only have time if you were rich. Was it time yeah. travel, or was it just like so it how wasn't many really years time travel? Yeah, well, but hey, was. guys, guys, let me let me say as an introduction to people listening to our podcast, us getting derailed in the middle of introducing ourselves. <laughs> some pretty good fucking introduction. These people need to know what to expect, Ben. Yeah. 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 You don't want to bury the lead on what our content is like. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> this is pretty much what it is. Uh, who else have we got here? I'm your flat circle Thomas Owen. Oh, I love nice. that. Nice. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about she met a king. Now, um, just, you know, new listeners, this is a recap. Just to be clear, that Carcosa voice, which may have sounded somewhat like both my voice and the other voices you've already heard, was... Well, well now. <laughs> uh, well, distinctively... No, they wouldn't have one of the heard, heard yours yet. Yeah. Or, or did you say things? Did you like <laughs> that? Wow. So you just Woo-hoo. ended out Grace's contribution. This is my daily life. So Welcome. I'm just, I'm, okay. I'm, um, is it my turn? It's, it's Grace's turn now. No, well, it's finish, her time. Finish the I'm thing. with Grace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, my time is up. Grace, please um, take us away. Yeah. Well, I'm... Back to the future, Grace Chapel. Hey. 88 miles an hour, coming in hot. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. Hey, uh, so, all right, so the good thing about this is if you are listening to this... Okay, yeah, we, we should say, this is going to be a recap of chapters 20 to 39 of our podcast. If everything has gone according to plan, it should be coming out the same week as chapter 40, which should, should have just gone up. So if this is the first thing you've ever listened to, you done fucked up. You should definitely... <laughs> Either go back and listen to the previous recap, chapter 19.5, in this very same feed. It's called the Heroes Recap. Uh, or you could just listen to the first, like, what, 19 episodes um, yeah. if you Be were a completist. completionist if you want. Yeah, if, if that was your thing. 
preference the first recap and then listen to the yeah. last 20 episodes because they were a lot better. Definitely the quality has steadily improved. Uh, I, I will say if you are planning to go back and re-listen, I would recommend starting with chapter 2.5, which is just a supercut of the first two episodes. It's like two hours and it's the first two episodes, which otherwise I think is something like four. And it just like cuts out a lot of stupid shit and gets there a lot more expediently. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that, guys. We're here to talk about chapter 20 onwards. I mean... I guess we don't really need to introduce the characters, right? Because, like, if you don't know who the characters are, again, you done fucked up. Go back and listen to the last recap. Are we mentioning that it's St. Patrick's Day as we record this, or are we going to save that for the record that we're doing for Oh, we'll save that for Chapter 42, which we're about to record after Then why are we drinking Guinness now? But can we just leave yeah. that reference in there as a little <laughs> Easter egg for anyone who tries to figure oh. out the schedule yeah, yeah, because, which we record? Oh, my oh, God, yes. Okay. When Chapter 42 goes up, it's going to be, like, mid-April. <laughs> It'll be Easter. We've, we, It'll yeah, be Easter egg the boat on St. Patrick's Day. Oh my so goodness. Much. It's going to be literally an Easter egg. This one's for Egg Boy. It's an early Easter egg. Whoa. Uh, I'm just time stamping let's, this as hard as I can. Let's carbon date this episode. Although, hang on, there is a scenario in which Egg Boy is still relevant in I hope in Egg two Boy. Months. I hope yeah. Egg Boy is relevant until the election at least. Yeah. Hey, can we start recapping this podcast? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> if you guys remember the last recap, not that you probably do, because it was like a fucking full calendar year ago, uh, we stopped with chapter 19, which was when you guys just arrived at Forest's Edge and met up with Kipfler, who was Hasselback's brother, who was going to arrange safe passage for you to Carthus City, where you were going to try and meet up with Garrick. Oh my so god, wild. Kipfler, Hasselback, You're us back in potatoes. time to the Potato Brothers. <sighs> potato yeah, Brothers. On St. Patrick's Day. Do you think it yeah, was, wow. like, around St. Patrick's Day that we recorded it? Maybe that's... Why it might have been. Why? Okay, all right, here we go. And obviously, like, for the listener, as we go forward with these, like, there's going to be a lot of things that get left out, obviously, because we're, like, editing fucking 20 hours of content into I don't know how long this is going to turn out to be. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of things I don't mention, and if anything seems important that I miss, guys, feel free to tell me. So here's what I've got. Chapter 20. Our heroes leave Forest's Edge in a cart provided by Kipfler, Hasselback's brother. They elude the guards along the way, thanks to some quick thinking from the driver, Trinder. Who trundles? Uh, they're on their way to meet up with Garrick and eventually Alvar Nettleford, Valeria's old associate. On the journey to Corin, where they expect to meet Garrick, Valeria's notebook activates and reveals a few key things. An area on the map marked as a potential location for the Temple of Sea appears, along with a note instructing them to contact Alyssa Brambles at Hanelport, a town where Jody has spent some time. Also present in the cart is Marcus, a half-elf man who Drazilia cannot determine if she's attracted to or not. Uh, Marcus is whether he was objectively attracted. Yes, that's right. She was like trying to study his beauty, kind of like a Greek statue. Anyway, um, Marcus had previously fought alongside the werewolf in Duncan's old military unit, but now wants to turn on the king and work with the party and Alvar. Duncan treats him highly suspiciously. A bit further along the road, near the old wood, Drazilia has a vision of a slender robed figure wandering through a familiar but strange looking forest with a deep sadness in her face. As they approach Corin, the notebook activates again, indicating the area surrounding Espera, the monastery where Jody grew up, as a potential location for a Sine temple. They arrive in Corin to a message from Garrick indicating that he feels he's being watched, and now it's time for Chapter 21. So, that episode, that recap, don't worry, was a lot longer than most of them are. I just realised as I was putting this <laughs> I was together... Like, I was like, oh um, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is... I realised as I was... Yeah, it, it was, it was sizable, but that episode, like, a lot of important stuff That was a big happened. episode. Mm, yeah, huge. yeah. That, so, like, part of the reason that I'm like, listen from 20 onwards is because literally episode 20 is the point where I was like, alright, we got to fucking kick into gear here. 
and started actually doing this story. And so I just started dropping like plot relevant shit on you like every episode. So there's a lot more of that in that episode. You must have been... grinded so many gears just going mm. from first to sixth like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my car actually only has two gears. <laughs> Uh, hey guys, guys, I have one gear. Go, epic winning. Everyone remember that? That whole, that whole Charlie, uh, what was his name? Oh, Charlie yeah, Charlie thing? Sheen. Yeah. His tiger by, by winning. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's a wizard from Mars or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Grace, you're probably a bit too young. <laughs> I'm like the same year as Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Jackson's just always been a bit more mature. Anyway, it's time <laughs> for chapter 21. Our heroes roll into Corin and meet up with Garrick in an inn. They're confronted by Elena, a mysterious halfling woman from the Eastern League, who seems to know something about the pieces and their quest. The group decide a hasty retreat is necessary and cause a commotion in the bar so they can escape, bringing both Garrick and Elena with them. Fortunately, an associate of Alvar Nettleford, known as Chiron, has arrived with a cart in order to extract the party rapidly, with the hostage Elena in tow. During the commotion, Marcus is left behind and captured by the king's men. They travel through some tunnels beneath the mountains outside Carthus and are attacked by a horrifying tunnel monster God. which turns Jody to stone before finally arriving at the secret entrance to Alvar Nettleford's hideout, Analor. Man, one thing I would say real quick is probably go back and, like, if you're just burning through all these episodes to catch up, maybe listen to that one because, like... It that is was our a, biggest off-the-rails moment. It, that's yeah. what I mean. Up until that point, it was kind of like, oh, we're just following the story, and then literally, in every possible way, it just went wild. Because we uh-huh. left Marcus there in Coran. Yep. I think with foresight, knowing that we're about to meet Chiron and all the others, and just be like, these are too many NPC names for a recap, we need to leave someone here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. we were like, also... Like, like Chiron? Where's that dude been? Yeah, he lives Stuck in... Stuck in um, Greek mythology. Um, he's like he's like Alvar's muscle, if you remember, yeah. Karen. He's like he's like the fucking, like... He's a ranger who, like, hangs out in Analog with Alvar Nettleford mm, and, like, does, mm. like, muscle yeah. work for him. I, I prefer it's... to think of him as Alvar's clan, but, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a pretty memorable episode as well, because l- literally last night we were talking to Jackson's girlfriend, Sane, and she was like, hey, remember that episode, like, 20 episodes ago? What the fuck were you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't, wasn't the finest moment for, um... We, we, we don't have like a party name, do we? But the, it was premium our party content. Three. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, let's do that now. What's your party called? It's the Good Ship Acquaintanceship. Isn't oh it? yeah, the that's Good Ship right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a vehicle. That's not us. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I think that's in the past. I think we're closer now than we were back then. Yeah. Uh, chapter 22. It's time to talk turkey. Our heroes meet with Alvar at long last, who resuscitates Jody, and they begin to share information. Through discussions, they learn a great deal about the Sine, an ancient magical group who created something very powerful and very dangerous, which was broken into what are assumed to be 12 pieces hidden around the world. The pieces are thought to be hidden in the temples of life, death, power, knowledge, sea, sky, silence, and snow. They learn that the Sine were deeply divided over what to do with the dangerous hole that they created. They also learn that Valeria's necklace, which teleported her away back in, like, episode one or two, likely contained a piece, and that she'd been searching in the northern deserts when she located it in some ruins. A little further along, the, the next episodes kind of, like, run together a little bit, but, um... Yeah, r- r- real quick, the- though, you, you say that, on. like, Alvar resuscitated Jody. Uh, that's because he was turned to stone the episode yes. before, right? he was yes. turned yeah. to stone by um, the horrifying the creature days. in the tunnels. Yes. Dark days, yes. Yeah, I reckon we should keep a, a temple count going for those playing at home. 
Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, so at this point, life, Temple of Life, that was what you guys visited near Sanctuary. Temple of Knowledge, that was the place you guys rocked up in episode one. Uh, here in yep. a little bit, we're going to arrive at what you guys, or at least Alvar, suspects is probably the Temple of Death. Uh, you also visit the Temple of Sea a little bit later on. Yeah, Currently we'll, just, we we'll clock it up when we, yeah. when we get there. Yeah, 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 yeah we'll clock it up yeah. when we get there. But uh, yeah, definitely keep those words in mind for yourselves. Um, <clears throat> they talk to Elena, who reveals that some people in the Eastern League found strange, sine-seeming ruins with incredible machines which could produce weapons and technology. After some discussions, it's revealed that it's likely that the Eastern League is in possession of at least some pieces, as they seem to have access to the web. Remember that whole discussion that you guys had with Elena, where she realized that she worked in, like, military intelligence for the Eastern League? Man, Elena. Your storytelling is so wasted on us, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I think the audience remembers, but, like, we have to make decisions... It's true. Yeah. We have time for the yeah. extraneous like, data of narrative. about what to remember as well. And it's what like, to wear. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The clothing budget's really... <laughs> um, like, every time okay. we have to buy a pie float, I forget more about the plot. Exactly. Yeah. Importantly, they hear that the shadowy figure, Esme, that they had encountered in Sanctuary, once worked alongside Alva and Valeria to study the pieces and the Cine before taking her research to the king and turning against them. They learn that it is probable that the king's men, headed up perhaps by Esme, were responsible for the attack on Jody's monastery, Espera, which Alva yes. believes might be the Temple of Death. Oh. Certainly became the Temple of Death, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Yeah. Oof. Upon hearing this, Jody vanishes. Yes, so if that wasn't clear that that was meant to be the Temple of Death, I feel like I made that quite clear. Like, no, you did make it quite clear. It, it was more, yeah, me remarking on, like, uh, whether yeah. if it was the Temple of Death before, it definitely was after they massacred all of Jody's, like, friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, <clears throat> wow. Symbolism. So, symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> Temple of Sea, surrounded by sea. Temple of Death, surrounded Whoa. by death. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, so no then we temple. then we dunked into the web, is that right? Mm-hmm. After we found Jody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's what I have for the next bit. Jody finds an obelisk leading to the web after exploring the tunnels underneath Analor. After the party catches up with him, they agree to travel together to Espera so Jody can find some closure. When separating from Garrick and Elena, who stay behind, Drazilia has another vision of some people standing in the foothills that they had travelled through to get to Analor. They seem to be parting sorrowfully. When travelling through the web, the party finds a strange obelisk-looking structure, similar to the obelisks they used to travel in and out of the web, which appears to be partially shattered and broken. They eventually find a functioning obelisk, which allows them to return to the Prime Material Plane, where they find themselves in a basement. That shattered obelisk has taken on a, a bit of a renewed meaning since yeah. you brought it up here. Far yeah. out. What do you mean? I just, I never thought it was meant anything. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I just threw it in there for fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so chapters 24-25. The group make their way upstairs out of this basement and find themselves in the Great Hall at Espera, which has been overrun by some opportunistic bandits who claim to be refugees from the attack on the monastery. Jody and the party completely destroy them. Uh, that yeah. was a... Uh, yeah. 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 um, Is that when I... Right. Home, home field advantage, am I right? I yeah. got my acting feet. And I did the whole imitation thing. Oh, it was! Yeah! The party explore Espera and learn much about Jody's past, including his friendship with... Is it... Tress? Was that right? Yes. Yes, and the attack on the monastery that Jody managed to escape, but which seemingly slaughtered all of the others present. Uh, they also find a large tower above the Great Hall, which seems to contain a mysterious recess that is vaguely piece-shaped. When a piece is placed inside, the tower activates and the party feels a radiating presence of peace and well-being, which Jody remembers from his time here. Inside the tower, Drazilia has another vision of a man standing inside this tower, looking forlornly out the window whilst drinking a glass of wine. 
If you think it's weird that recess was piece shaped, wait till you have a look at lunch. Oh god, dude, you literally made that joke in chapter twenty five or chapter twenty four when we did that whole bit. The horrifying thing is that we're now a year later, and so we don't make the don't cut in a sound clip like that and then say that's what I said then to make it sound like I'm reusing my material. Everybody knows (laughs) you've taken that soundbite from the episode, (laughs) in the recap, make me sound like this. You should find the actual soundbite and put them yeah, both. I'm, def- I'm definitely going to do that. That doesn't yeah. sound like a lot of work. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, T did open the episode being like, I'm a flat circle. So, you know, we're, yeah. we're doing That's it. That's true. We're traveling through time. All right, chapter 26. After exploring Espera, the party re-enter the web and head towards Hanelport. Along the way, they encounter a rogue Cine transportation tube, which seemingly contains the king's men. They ram into it because they are absolute lunatics. This disables both tubes and forces them to complete their journey on foot. That's why. Okay, another episode. Chalk that one down to, like, worth a re-listen. That one was fucking good. Basically, anytime you guys are like, we crash into it, which is pretty <laughs> fucking frequent, is yeah. Uh, yeah. can be considered like a good time. Two episodes time. It's yeah. amazing you keep giving us tubes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Chapter 27. After travelling through the material plane on foot, our party find themselves on the outskirts of Hanelport, a divided walled city. Portside is open to the public, but documentation is required to enter the city proper. Jody reveals that he has some history here as well, where he worked as a sailor for private companies. It's revealed that his sailing alter ego, Jojo Snibbins, might still be wanted in Hanelport for his connection to a mysterious party where everybody died. He uses this knowledge to connect them with Moko, the shadowy head of a criminal organisation known as the Black Hens, who strikes a deal with the party. The Black Hens' supply lines through the tunnels underneath the city have been cut off due to the incursion of fish folk waging a secret war with the city watch underneath the town. If the party can secure the passage and deliver a package of mysterious substances, she will provide them with a partial map of the winding tunnel network. Man, if we if we like wrap up this season and like need something else to do, like a prequel season of JoJo's Unexpected Adventure could be like, <laughs> real real maybe, fun. Maybe it's a Christmas Just- special. Yeah, oh my <laughs> yeah, God, yes. adventure. Yeah. Chapters 28 and 29. The party travel through the tunnels, fighting many fish folk along the way. There were a few things under here, basically all that was really important, a few bullet points. At one point, Drazilia is beset by a vision of a man apparently talking to some senior-looking fish folk on a desolate island offshore. He appears to be striking some kind of arrangement with them, which culminates in the man kneeling and proffering an orb in their direction. The other, thing, the other important thing that happens is that Duncan definitely uses some crafty skill to create uh, artisanal gas in the mysterious package that Moko had given you guys in order to extract some of its contents, which is indeed now, some packets. Now, yeah. listen, he might have been the mastermind, but I think the artisanal scratches were designed by noted tailor Jojo Snibbins. Right, of course, of course, of course, of course. Anyway, the important thing is he extracts some packages of Drang, a stimulant-like drug in the world of Karthus that Duncan and Jody both apparently have some prior experience with themselves. <laughs> look, Jojo had a bizarre adventure. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, look, that's true. That's true. He's basically, um, Jojo and Snibbins got a White Castle, but, um... <laughs> have you still got that? I don't know why I said that. Um, yeah, I have one yeah. packet of Drang. That is... Yeah. I still yeah. have that. Spoilers yeah. for the rest of this recap, Khan doesn't use that yeah. in any of the episodes. Yeah. He's waiting for his personal, like, I'm sorry, Master, just this once. I must yeah, go all out. <laughs> just, like, rack a line of Drang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Chapter 30, the group make it into Hanelport and deliver Moko's package to its endpoint, the safe house for the Black Hens, which is staffed by Bimmy and Jimmy, some dwarves oh. who protect the entrance. Do you guys remember Bimmy and Jimmy? Those oh, fan yeah. favourite characters? And the, People yeah. love Bimmy the crossbow. and Jimmy. Yeah. Bimmy, Bimmy, my brother, the crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> my brother Bimmy, the crossbow, I love him very much. Uh, <laughs> after some time dallying and shopping, the party make their way to the university, where they seek an audience with Alyssa Brambles, who reveals that she has somehow come into possession of the orb from Drasilia's vision, and feels that she is probably responsible for the fish folks' attack on the city. She was right. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. yeah, she did. Is this all um, starting to sound more familiar to you guys? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think these are the episodes I actually remember recording. I think fish folks, yeah. yeah. Wow, we basically have data now on how far back my memory goes. What, what, yeah, like six months. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> six months. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shallow unconscious you got there. <laughs> Chapter 31. Alyssa explains that she knew and had worked with Valeria, who tipped her off to the fact that an interesting archaeological site may be hidden nearby. Alyssa scoured some sea caves and found a door, which was locked, but contained indications of what we now know to be the fish folk's keystone. This was the orb that was often in Drasilia's vision. Who's opening hard candy? <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> it's just some pocket could, chocolate. Though. Could it be secret pocket chocolate, Grace no, Chapel? Uh, no. <laughs> yes, it's a delicious hazelnut dairy milk. Yeah, that's good. That sounds good. Uh, okay, uh, Alyssa let it be known to her associates that she wanted the stone, and it was surreptitiously acquired for her, sparking the fish folk invasion of Hanelport. She agrees to show the heroes to the door within the sea cave in exchange for their muscle in getting her there and back safely. The heroes accompany Alyssa Brambles to what is later confirmed to be the Sine's Temple of Sea. Along the way, they're attacked by a horrible sea monster, but they manage to use the keystone to enter the temple and commence facing its challenges. Now, you say she wanted our muscle to get it there and back but wasn't it our clam she was after okay Tom okay. you already did that one <laughs> you already did that one also um, rule of threes I'll find it again <laughs> yeah, uh, also, one more time during that fight Jody was sorry for like I just remember things happened to Jody but um, uh, during that fight Jody was uh, I guess slimed by that big old sea creature yeah, that's and right then, you did uh, get slimed lost the ability to breathe air yeah. and had to breathe underwater for mm. like three and a half episodes also and, yeah. no you Oh no! Just until he leveled up and lost, uh, like like became immune to all disease, as 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 is Joe. <laughs> as one is wont to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, in the boat ride there, we got a fascinating incursion into Duncan's backstory. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. We had a Tales of Duncania, which was told as like a story. Yeah, Duncan. Honestly, on like I would say, plot important. Tales of yeah, Duncania. becoming. Let, let me let me give you guys a little spoiler. Becoming a plot important tale of Duncania. <laughs> um, also. I told you last episode that it's canon. Everything that happened in North Pole is, is canonical. Um, okay, chapters 32, 33, 34, and a bit of 35. They face many trials, endure many perils, and solve many riddles on their way through the Temple of Sea, an ancient Sine location, which is referred to in Valyria's notebook as Devar's Cave, with nothing allowed inside except for Devar, his thoughts, and his blessed solitude. At the end of the temple, they find a strange barber chair-like construction with a polished copper helmet attached. Drasilia places the helmet on her head. (laughs) (laughs) My friends, my friends. Yes, this is important. Drasilia places the helmet on her head and receives a brief puzzling transmission. Is that you, Dandela? Remember that? 
Huh? Mm. Guys, do you remember yeah. that yes. one? No, so we're clicking together. Do you remember that one? Yes. Yeah, very important. Uh, okay, chapter 35. The heroes face the remaining challenges of the temple, including two giant automatons, which appear to mirror pieces from a game known as Chesk. Chesk is a board game similar to chess in the real world, which Duncan apparently has some skill and backstory in playing. After defeating the automatons, the party are ambushed by a familiar figure. Seemingly out of nowhere, Esme arrives. All I remember about our encounter with Esme was the dick joke bonanza that followed it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... with with In, like, 36, verified... Uh, like was the, the, the star, the rod, the my star. So interestingly, there uh, we have arrived at the end of my detailed notes with chapter thirty-five, where Esme shows up. You guys have just finished the two automatons at the end of the Temple of Sea. You're standing there, like thinking, like, all right, we've done it, and then Esme shows up. So I was thinking for chapters thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, which are probably more fresh in everybody's memory. We just kind of rap about it, you know. We just kind of chat, discuss what occurred. Did you say rap about it? Yeah, a little bit more of a freeform jazz rap odyssey is what I was thinking. I love that. Uh, okay, so chapter 36, the important things that happened there for you guys' memory is basically Esme showed up. She had taken Alyssa Brambles hostage because you guys left Alyssa Brambles standing at the front of the entrance to the Temple of Sea while you guys went inside. She got grabbed by Esme on her way through. Earlier, there'd been a little bit of VO, I think like four episodes ago, that seemed to indicate like before you guys arrived in Hanelport, Alyssa Brambles was making her way through the streets of Hanelport to the university whilst some shadowy figure was watching from like alleyways. And I wanted it to be clear that that was Esme after Esme arrived. I was really trying to foreshadow that. Well, it is uh, now. I don't really <laughs> yeah, really now, so. that's canon. So if you if, if you hadn't put that together but you remembered the shadowy figure and you were like, when's that going to pay off? Don't, don't sit around waiting yeah. for that. Yeah. It kind of did. Say it. Yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah, right. So Esme starts talking to you guys and you end up in a really tense conversation where nobody wants to really reveal anything. You start playing an ancient Sine question game known as Nadrash, where basically you're allowed to ask three questions and she's allowed to ask three questions. Uh, the important details that come out of the discussion here are that... What was the name of the game? Sorry? Nadrash. Are you telling me you named a game like fucking testicle hives? And Tom, you made a joke about this in the episode. Oh, now like, don't go cutting in sound bites, <laughs> <laughs> pretending I'm recycling content. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, she said, like, have you guys ever heard of Nadrash? And you were like, I wear full plate armor. I've constantly got Nadrash. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's gold. <laughs> hmm. yeah, you did a good joke. Uh, anyway, the important details that come out here are she keeps referring to someone being back. She's like, he's back, you know. <laughs> Basically, like, if, if you want to, like, there was quite a lot of pot important stuff here. Go listen to the start of chapter 36. But, like, the bullet points are basically, she's talking about someone as being back. You guys later connect that to Maleficus, which is a name you heard in a book you read a long, long time ago called The Hubris of Maleficus the Wise. How did I not pick up on all of these, um, Voldemort <laughs> undertones? Like, yeah. the dark wizard. He's back. He's back. Well, I get big Slim Shady undertones. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made that joke during that episode, but no one, it was sort of fell under everything. So I'm glad uh, I had my redemption to make it again. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. She she also one of the questions that she asks of you guys is she's like so where's Valeria indicating that like the last thing you guys saw of Valeria was her disappearing after being engaged in combat with some like mysterious figure in black robes during the cart battle and yeah you guys don't know where she is but Esme at least seems to believe or like have no reason to believe that she 
died in that encounter. So that was kind of an interesting reveal that happened there. Uh, basically, Duncan makes a play. He uses his dimension door to try and teleport across the room with the cool cloak that he bought in Hanelport. Uh, and Jody goes with him, but they basically like miss out just on grabbing her. She teleports away using the piece in her necklace. But Alyssa Brambles, who she had to drop so she could activate the necklace, manages to uncinch and steal her like waist belt, which contains a few interesting cine things. And also, I bet her like pants fell down or something. Lel. Um, <laughs> oh, you, I wish you could. I wish you could have bottled the sadness on T's face when you stole that joke from him. Like, my God, <laughs> my God, was it good? I was like leaning into the microphone with my mouth half open from when you said she took her belt, waiting yeah, for you nice. to finish speaking, and then as you hit like oh. her pants falling down. I just, it was like I got slapped in the face. Um, All right. At this point, the fish folk show up. They've been following you into the temple also. Basically, you guys give them back the keystone and you agree to uphold the bargain that the Sine made with them years ago, where you will prevent people from interfering with their society and in exchange, they will keep the keystone safe. And when you guys leave... active commitment that was. (laughs) We're really not there. Um, you guys leave, you get back on the boat, and you start heading back towards Amalor, where you're going to rendezvous with Garrick and also Alvar. Uh, and at this point, you guys realize, because one of the things that you found was like a magical message interceptor that you guys quickly called Smartphone as a play on the word smartphone, because I, I definitely described it as looking kind of like an iPhone. And uh, you realize that it could intercept messages from sending stones, and that your sending stones might be bugged, and you couldn't really rely on them so much. So you had to start using them and like codedly rather than just openly communicating across them. So, uh, at the end of chapter 36, you guys get on a boat, thanks to Jojo Snibbins' sailing connections, which takes you to Traveler's Rest, a small town quite close to Analor. And as you guys roll into Traveler's Rest, well, Gracie, what happened? We saw my sister? Yeah, we saw Drazilia's sister, Cerulea. Yes, my sister Cerulea was looking for me. She was like putting up posters being like, has anyone seen my sister Drazilea? And she was like getting into an argument with a guy who runs a pub. And yeah, you guys very quickly got very concerned about the fact that now we're in chapter 37, there were some people like across town who were looking at like a board of wanted posters that the king's men had put up, which had like the three of you on them. And then looking back over at Cerulea, holding up these like handmade Druzzy posters being like, has anybody seen my sister? And realized that things were about to pop off in a really bad way so uh basically jody went over like nabbed cerulea and you guys all just started hoofing it out of town whilst being chased by this small band of militia uh you ended up making a last stand because i believe duncan and uh drasilia were invisible thanks to a twinned invisibility spell of drasilia's but um jody so jody thought he was alone gonna have to face this band of mercenaries he said sorry master just this once i have to go all out and started to go (laughs) to beast mode and yeah yeah, started to go beast mode on some people when Drazilia popped out of invisibility and cast her most powerful spell of all time, Cone of Cold, and pretty much put a lot of people, including Duncan, in the dirt. In the dirt, yeah. Gave me a bloody PTSD moment. Yeah, Duncan went bananas and cut some people in half. Probably like a PTSD moment for Cerulea as well, who got to watch mm. as uh, her sister and her uh, two new best friends just fucking, like, 
destroyed demolished. these regular regular jerks. Oh, just demolished some people, absolutely. Yeah, so that was the end of chapter thirty-six. No, thirty-seven. That's right. Yeah, chapter thirty-seven was you guys uh, fighting those big dudes. Chapter thirty-eight. The party Woo! escaped and made camp for the night in the very western edge of the Carwood, which you can see on the map. By the way, if you listen to the last recap, we probably mentioned it, but there is a pretty important map of Carthus available on curionetwork.com slash news. It's a few posts down. Go scroll and have a look. Designed by yours truly, drawn by Mr. Thomas Owen. So if we recap this bit, I think we were we were just bedding down for the night, just starting to lick our wounds, and out of the woods comes a fucking armada. <laughs> Grace is so yeah. upset about this lack of resting. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because Grace was just burning spell slots for plot reasons, uh, and then all of a sudden she found herself embroiled in another fight that happened overnight. Basically, yes. it was like the people from that mercenary group had put together like search parties from the town, because you guys were now highly wanted. You'd killed a bunch of law-abiding citizens uh, back in Traveler's Rest. Such a good and, yeah, you were be- Yeah, thank you. You were being pursued overnight. Yeah, so you guys basically killed them all or like most of them and then you escaped at this point we started to get some interesting backstory from Cerulea and Drasilia we found out why Cerulea was here she was basically being like Drasilia something's gone wrong in our town the clock tower has stopped functioning Uh, things aren't safe there were people in the town and she was alluding to the fact that like something to do with this clock tower that she mentioned back in their hometown of Hastings was Drasilia's responsibility bloody back to the future Gracie over there (laughs) (laughs) remember all that like Cerulea was basically being like why did you leave we started to get a little bit of Drasilia backstory because we'd known Drasilia had left her town but she'd been very cagey about it it was very supernatural like I got big (laughs) Sam and Dean vibes and I love it I wrote so much like a weird reversal Tumblr yeah Oh god! I hope Were it wasn't like Sam Dean's supernatural fan fiction, Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, it, initially it was, but Tumblr's changed the rules, so it's. Ah, it's I see. It's I see. Pretty, I see. So what you're saying is you wrote a lot of Drasilia Cerulea slash fic. Yes. Why wow, you really know the lingo, Ben? Yeah, I mean, Cerulea is indicating that, like Hastings, the town where they both grew up, that Drasilia left, things are not right there, and she came to find Drasilia to bring her back so she could fix what's gone wrong. But Drasilia is extremely unwilling to do it. She's being very cagey. She won't explain why she left or what she has to do there or anything about the clock tower. But she does agree that she's going to at least take Cerulea back to Hastings because she doesn't believe she'll survive in the whole wide world, and also she feels like maybe they will at least look into the situation there and see what's going on. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, yeah. It's a real okay, sort of uh, Drasilia slash duty arc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Also, whilst trekking on the way to Hastings, you guys decide to take a good look at the stuff that you got out of the waste belt, uh, Esme's waste belt, where you find that you have... Yeah, it took us a while. (laughs) Yeah, it took you like four fucking episodes to look at these magical (laughs) items that I gave you. You find that you have in hand what I've called the Arcane Amplifier, a disc of polished copper, where if you place a piece inside it, all of the other pieces within its radius become enhanced and empowered. Basically what it means is your weapons that have Cine pieces in inside them go from being plus one to plus two. And the other thing you found is what I've dubbed the Cine Triangulator, a dark stone disc where if you place a piece inside it, all of a sudden it kind of like vibrates
operates in line with the direction of uh, different cine-related stuff. Oh right, the other important thing, Drusilia definitely had a vision of a bunch of figures sitting at a meeting table, uh, and it ended with the same willowy figure from her very, very first vision of somebody walking through a strange yet familiar wood, standing up from that meeting table and saying, well, let's get to it, we've got work to do. Uh, chapter 39, you guys continue through the old wood on your way to Hastings. You stop by a little fucking travelling merchant cart, where you guys Hell have the yeah. opportunity to buy some potions and some fresh looks you guys buy a bunch of like the drab Hastings attire because we definitely decided canonically that like people in Hastings kind of dress like they're from like Amish towns like they're kind of Amish just because they're like so reclusive uh you buy some potions from a potion vendor and you hear that these people are talking about a mysterious old town that popped up out of nowhere in the middle of the old wood. And they're saying, gee, I sure bet the Lord isn't too happy with that. Uh, at this point, Cerulea basically goes white and is like, Jesus, just leave them alone, fuck, and then uh, walks away. Along the way, you guys receive a message from Alva and Garrick on the Sending Stone, who tell you that things were getting a little bit too hot around Analor. I mean, Traveler's Rest was really close to Analor, where you guys were, like, definitely seen and embroiled in a conflict, and so they've moved down to Espera, the monastery that you guys cleared out of bandits, which they're now using as their kind of de facto base of operations. But... Anyway, the more important and interesting thing that happens now is you guys arrive at Hastings and you see that this is a town encompassed by a like faltering, shimmering magical bubble that seems to be kind of flicking on and off and definitely breaking down. You guys intuit that this has something to do with the clock tower and the fact that the town was supposedly hidden and has like popped out of nowhere into the wood that those merchants were talking about. Importantly, on the outskirts of town, there is a large half-barrel half-elf man, by which I just mean a barrel-chested half-elf man, who you guys decided to call half-barrel half-elf, named Trent Allgood, who is revealed to be none other than Drosilia's ex-boyfriend. Trent Allgood is currently embroiled in a bit of a snafu with a small group of local militia. There's sort of a bent, stooped old man, who we later learn is the envoy to Lord Standish, who is apparently the lord who is responsible for this part of the woods, and he's basically saying like, ah, fucking Allgood, you gotta get all these people out of here, this land belongs to the lord, not to you, and Trent's standing there with his, like, fucking militia of farm boys with no military training or experience whatsoever, and Drasilia decides that this is an opportune time to just blow everyone the fuck up. She sneaks in out of nowhere, drops a really powerful fireball on the envoy mm -hmm. to Lord Standish and his men, and just fucking slaughters them. So this is Drasilia's homecoming moment before her ex-boyfriend, Trent, she decides to just detonate a bunch of people. And, uh, yeah, everyone's really, really surprised. I mean, that, that episode, like, I, I would encourage you to go listen to chapter 39, because, uh... The end of it, like, that fireball that Drasilia did was just the last thing I expected Grace to do in the <laughs> world, and I just lost my mind. It completely derailed what I had planned, and we had to just end the episode there. So if you want to hear some, like, genuine shock of me not knowing what to do with that, then, uh, yeah, that is definitely worth a listen. What did you, what did you think I was going to do? I thought you guys were just going to, like, get involved in the discussion... I didn't know. I thought maybe you'd just ignore it, wait for them to leave, and then talk to Trent and hear about things. I definitely didn't think you were going to kill the envoy to Lord Standish and his little, like, local band of militia. Um, Foolish. But anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was fucking phenomenal, and it's changed things in a very, very awesome and interesting way. So that's why you play the game. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect picture of fucking why this podcast oh, works, because too. it's not just a story that I tell. It's like, 
a, a boned narrative that I construct that you guys fuck around with in different ways and make it really awesome. A boned, a boned narrative? narrative? Yeah. Going I was going to say I was going to say bare bones, but then I thought that that wasn't really fair to me. So yeah, you- yeah. There's at least some flesh on it. Yeah. Hey, it, it occurred to me the other day that I was like, we make a podcast where the four people on the podcast are three writers and one physicist, and the person writing the narrative is the physicist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, honestly, dude, why did we do this? Hey, so that brings us to chapter 39. Hey. Uh, that ends with the fireball. And chapter 40, if everything is going according to plan, should have come out this very week that you're listening to this. So you can go listen to it and then listen on to the rest of the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed that. Uh, get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's either going to be at Curio Network or at HTW Laid, depending on what platform you're looking on. If you want any of us specifically, we also all have social media. You can get me on Twitter at MrBT McAllister, although who knows, uh, maybe by the time this episode goes up that will have changed but um uh, i don't know who, who are you guys all if they want to if they want to find you are you getting married ben <laughs> <laughs> oh very good grace thank you <laughs> i um thankfully once you do change it to dr bt McAllister, uh-huh. i won't look like you're completely chopping my flavor of a flavor chopper <laughs> with my mr tm owen uh-huh yeah, um, you can get me at uh, Dr. Jackson Houston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, come on, dude. <laughs> Dr. JK Houston. Yeah, Dr. JK Houston, yeah. Um, no, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Jackson underscore Houston. You can find me at Grace underscore Chapel, I think. Yeah, you Grace cannot... is really chomping my flavour there on the yeah. underscore thing. You won't be able to find me on Instagram with that handle because I did just watch you on Netflix and, whew, got rid of my last name. How are you so... watching our audience on Netflix? Uh, nice. Very good, Tom. Very nice. And if you like that joke and you want to hear more jokes like it, go Or if you yeah. want to see us in cinema, then just uh, look up Jordan Peele. Uh, you'll oh, be able to find something there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Very good. Uh, hey, great. So I think we should wrap it there uh, and go listen to the chapter 40 and then the rest of them. It's we a good show, the shit right? out of that recap. I love it. Bye. We love you. Bye. Bye. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsom. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or still interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com.